Good evening and welcome to This Week in Football from the makers of Low Limit Football. I am your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Roberto Rojas, and our special guest from the State of Play podcast, Mr. Matt Santangelo. Gentlemen, thank you both for joining me tonight. Matt, I'm going to open the questioning with you to talk about the title race, because this is one of the closest title race, if not the closest title race, in all of European football. We have Juve on 63 points, Lazio on 62, Inter have kind of fallen off the pace a bit at 54, but they can make up some points against Sampdoria and kind of nose their way in slightly just be that third team looking in how do you feel that this title race will shape up with the last uh, roughly 12 matches to go especially given that what we've seen uh, so far come out with the Coppa Italia we've, we've seen all those teams rusty right now we've also seen that many of these teams that are even though they're rusty the ones that with the depth have the best opportunity and the best chance to really succeed uh, with all the successive matches. So what are your thoughts on the title race coming up in Italy? Well, first off, thanks for having me back on, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, I, I, with regards to the title race, I think, look, until Juventus are beaten, until they're no longer champions, I think you got to respect them as the favorites. And I think everyone would agree with that. Although this year, unlike previous years, they have some really stiff competition. We've always expected it to be um, you know, a two, two-horse race between Juve and Napoli. But now it seems like the pack has kind of um, you know, increased a little bit. There's a lot more strength in numbers in Serie A. Even a team like Atalanta um, you know, can beat some of these teams on, on, their, on their day as well. And they're doing pretty well in the Champions League. So you know, recent years have shown that you know, some teams that have otherwise looked really dominant and looked unbeatable Juventus specifically, even at home, right? We all know how stronger they are at home versus on the road. Although, again, as a, as, as a collective, they are the strongest team in Italy. I think, you know, this is the one year where if they are to be dethroned, um, you know, it it, ha- it should happen now, right? Um, although, again, of course, we'll have to see what, 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 what transpires next year. But I think the fascinating thing to kind of follow the rest of the way, um, you know, is one, how certain teams are able to cope with the um, you know the, the the bombardment of fixtures early on, how they manage the workload. Obviously, we do have the five substitutions, which is I think is a very key thing to follow, in the sense that you know to your point, the teams that have a little bit more depth, or a little bit more to work with, um, they can be a little bit more strategic with 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 how they implement those substitutions. And you know I think it's going to be a big focus in in you know initially with this with this upcoming Coppa Italia match I don't know when this podcast is coming out we're recording on a Tuesday the Coppa Italia final between Juve and Napoli is on a Wednesday is how do certain teams cope with managing the extra substitutions right so you know in those matches that you know maybe teams are not as fit right coming out of the game we saw you know even with the Bundesliga Bayern Munich in their first game they weren't as sharp but they got the victory so I think there's going to be a lot of those stronger teams like Juve specifically where they do have that depth. And even if they're not maybe on their best performance, just like we saw with, uh, with them versus uh, Milan, they still have enough in the tank to get over the hump and get results where other teams maybe are not as suited to do that. Plus, I also think that biggest key for them is uh, the having a guy like Ronaldo who you know is very much capable of carrying a team through some difficult matches when they maybe don't play that well, when they're maybe lethargic, when they're not strong so i anticipate ronaldo's going to kind of whip into his normal form like he normally does down the stretch he's one of the probably if not the clutchest player of all time so i think a lot of those things kind of work in juve's favor even though again there have been some difficulties with the way that juventus have played this year under marizio Zari in his first year i know there's a lot of speculation about what they're going to do in the midfield into the summer market but 
as it stands right now, I think Juventus still have to be the favorites. Um, that isn't to say they can't be beaten, they can't be humbled, and they got to be careful that they're bringing their best uh, and they're putting their best foot forward each and every match day. So it's going to be fascinating to see how things kind of play out the rest of the way. You know, Matt, it's actually a good thing that you had mentioned about this kind of death and, and also to Joe as well. I mean, we can already know, and, you know, I think given how Juventus have always demonstrated their strengths, not just this season, but I think for various seasons, of how they were able to do kind of the job that they did is, one, is the quality, but also because of the depth that they have, you know, be it in the midfield, be it up front, be in the back back line, that makes them a bit more different and obviously the better, better outlier than the likes of a Lazio or an Inter. But going on to that in just a bit, I just want your thoughts on, like, you know, the styles that we've seen, you know, Obviously, seeing four teams out of the 20 that compete in Serie A isn't exactly the perfect, um, um, understandable factor of what the um, what the league, what all the other teams will will fare out to be when the league does start. But you know, given how it kind of was a bit choppy, what we saw in the one-one draw between um, Napoli and Inter, and obviously the the draw between uh, uh, Juventus and and Milan. I mean. You know, what have you, what kind of expectation that you have on this league as a whole, especially now, given that many of the other leagues are back, like your Bundesliga, your Syria, um, your La Liga's, um, with uh, the Premier League coming back very, very soon, coming soon as well. I mean, what's your take on that, and how do you think that will factor out uh, with the start of the se- with the restart of the season? Yeah, you know, I, I think with you know, look, it's it's one of those things where it's it's going to be a day to day basis, right? We're going to match by match. We're going to see, have to see how some of these teams can grow, right? You know, it's a very um, you know different time. It's a different way, right? It's, I've always I was on a couple podcasts, mine specifically, State of Play Pod, and you know, the biggest thing that for me that I've always been focusing on is how certain teams can initially quickly restart, right? Because the last thing a team like Juve want to do is you slip up in the first two match days, right? Or a team like Lazio who's chasing Juve, who really can't afford to slip up when you're chasing, you know, have a you drop points or they maybe lose a game. And I, I think the title can quickly be, you know, won just as quickly as it can be lost for certain some of these teams. So it's you're gonna look at the schedule and I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more on what's what's on tap for the for the restart route, the match day one, if you will. Um, but if you look at the the actual opponents, um, I think that's going to be a very, very key thing, right? You know, if a team like Juve have a difficult matchup um, right out of the gate versus a team like Lazio, who maybe have a little bit more of a softer opponent, then I think that's something that's going to be very interesting to watch, right? Because, you know, we all know how this sport is, right? It could be six points, yes, could seem like a big gap. But in a matter of a weekend, you know, if a team you know loses a match and then you win the match, it's all of a sudden you're talking about just a three-point swing here. So... I, I, I really am going to be fascinating to see how some of these teams kind of navigate the rest of the way. I know, do believe that, you know, teams like Lazio will come prepared. I just think they've had such balance in the midfield, such balance defensively, a lot of great leadership. Of course, the, score, the goal scoring ability up front from Chiri Mobile. And just in general, I think they've been probably, in my opinion, uh, next to Inter. They've just been the more con- one of the more consistent teams this year. Now, there's going to be arguments say, well, Matt, Juventus are in first. How are they not more consistent? How are they not probably the better performing team? I think their quality and their talent and number, ha- in numbers, excuse me, has maybe overcome some of the you know, performances they've had. And, and I know Joe, as a Juventus fan, would probably attest to that. They haven't quite played the Sarri ball, the Sarri small that we saw in Napoli and even in spurts at Chelsea. 
So whether or not they can turn it on and pick that up and maybe implement that here late in the season, who knows? But I, I, I think really some of these teams who are in the title race and even the teams that are trying to get into that top four race or, you know, the Europa League spots or, you know, break out of the relegation zone, you know, these first couple matches can be very telling because everyone's kind of in that same position, right, where there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unexpected um, fitness levels. And ultimately, if you get a team that's caught napping or caught in a position where they're not as fit, they can be uh, exposed and they can be taken advantage of. So that's kind of my biggest focus heading into the restart. But I, I do think that, you know, teams that like Ronaldo, you know, like Juventus have with Ronaldo or, you know, some of these teams like Inter who have with guys like Lukaku, Latar Martinez, I do think that even if they don't maybe have it the first match day, I do think they have the quality to overcome some of those things until they kind of get back into that rhythm, which is something I saw and believed with with Bayern Munich, right? You know, who, who just clinched the title today. You know, the first couple of games really weren't all that strong, but as they started getting into it, and in, even in the game against Borussia Dortmund, and, and, you know, following that, they really started to hit their stride and hit their, you know, their, their top form, and that's exactly what you want if you're, you know, trying to secure a title. 100%. And obviously, I think what we've seen in the highlight of Syria, not just the likes of Ronaldo, but the likes of Lukaku, Lautaro Martinez, uh, Joao Pedro as well, who's been doing well at Calgary, uh, just Village and all the other players at Atlanta. But the one player that has demonstrated to be one of the best, if not the best right now in Syria at the moment, is the Capo Cabinetti in Chiro Immobile. I mean, it's going to be very, very interesting to see if he will break that record. I don't think he... W I mean, it's it's very tight. I don't know. It's, it's going to be very difficult to see. But given that, man, I mean, a sensational season for him. Um, and you would only think that he could r return to the form that he does when the season does restart. But from all intents and purposes of what we've seen so far, I mean, I personally think that, you know, he definitely has to stay at Lazio for, for not the rest of his career, but for definitely a long time. Because I feel like it's his place. It's, that's where he's at. He's demonstrated what he can do. And, and obviously, if the Champions League does restart again and he's able to play a part, I mean, you know, this, this could be the vital person that they need for such a competition. So, you know, how have you evaluated it? another, I would say, impressive season for Chiri Mobile? Uh, not just for Lazio, but I think for all of Syria as a whole. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Chiri Mobile's had a fantastic year. You know, what we've seen from him since coming over or come, returning back to Serie A from that abysmal uh, short spell in uh, Aperusha Dortmund, and I think it was in Spain as well. So, you know, coming back over to Torino and then, you know, Lazio being able to get him for, you know, pennies on the dollar, if you will, in the grand scheme of things, because if you look at his production compared to what they paid for him, I mean, that's been one of the best deals uh, in the past five, six, seven years in terms of the, just the sheer value of that. And and not to mention the demand for uh, productive goal scorers up from who are, you know, scoring the way he's scoring. But, you know, the season he's had is, is has been spectacular. I know people will try to downplay it because, you know, Lazio have had a lot of penalties and he scored a lot of penalties. But I think, you know, some of the, the goals he scored, the fact that he's able to do it so consistently, he's such a, a week-in and week-out player. He's typically not, you know, having a, a three or four off days or just only scoring against, you know, the bottom of the table clubs. Like, he seems to bring it each and every match day. But I also think you have this as a testament to the players around him, right? You know, we, all, we always look towards the goal scorer, the guy who puts the ball in the back of the net. But guys like Joaquin Correa, uh, Sergi Milinkovic-Savic, Luis Alberto, these players have been really fundamental in, in allowing Immobile to thrive and prosper the way he has this season. Now, 
if we're talking about the 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 the, the race for the um you know the 36 goals uh, which was set by Gonzalo Higuain the all-time scoring record single season scoring record excuse me that's going to be a little difficult here right because he was on fire before before the stoppage to pick that back up who knows i i anticipate you know much like what i saw in bundesliga a lot of sloppy defensive play i just think it's it's such a difficult thing to do defending is become become one of those difficult things and just in football and modern football in general that when we see a really good stout defensive team we seem to take a little bit more notice uh, that isn't to say that some of these teams in Serie A, of course, you know, we all know historically what the, 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 the defensive clout that Serie A brings and time football brings and what it has in, in its embedded in its DNA. But at the same time, I just I really wonder if some of these teams can uh, find a way to be at least somewhat adequate defensively to keep players like Immobile down, which is why it goes back to my previous uh argument that I think that certain players like Ronaldo, Immobile, ultimately the strikers I think are going to make the biggest difference here. You know, can a team like Elas Farona, for instance, can they be the same defensive team they were, you know, for much of the season under Ivan Joric? I think the fourth best defensive team in Italy statistically. You know, so those are going to be some things to watch for is how certain, you know, teams fare in certain areas of their game. You know, for me, I look at, you know, getting back to the Capo Cagnari race, you know, and I think it's Immobile's obviously to win. I mean, obviously to, to, to lose. But, you know, when I look at just some of the other performances in general that have, and, you know, allowed him to be in the position he has been, I just think that, you know, Lazio and Rome is such a great fit for him that I really just can't anticipate him going elsewhere um, anytime soon. I do think at some point maybe he would like to go to Napoli. I know that's something that um, you know many of my Napoli not Napoli fans and followers on Twitter would have definitely agree with. I just think he would be a player who would fit in seamlessly into that city, the culture, um, and just the ultimate their need probably in the in the in you know the short term for a striker should uh, a guy like Milik go to Juve, which I'm you know I'm sure you guys would would uh, give me your thoughts on that. But yeah, I, I just. You know, I'm, I'm interested to see how certain players develop the rest of the way and ultimately how this kind of plays out into the market, right? Because, you know, we've also had not just the big-name players, but we've had players like Kulisevsky, Boga, um, you know, Tanali, who, you know, are each in within their own right having fantastic years as young players who have either secured a deal, could be securing a deal, or the on the, the, the talk of the town to secure a major deal. So there's a lot of things to look at for the rest of the way. Um, obviously, you know, goals tend to be the big focus, you know, getting back to Immobile for a little bit here. But I, I, I am fascinated to see how certain teams kind of, you know, benefit from this, you know, not benefit from this. And, and just in general, how the rest of the table shakes up, because we've seen this many times where, you know, maybe a slight stoppage or late in the season, there's a lot more motivation here in a team like, you know, maybe not Brescia, but teams in the bottom third, uh, bottom, bottom three of the table may say, hey, you know, we may be able to sneak some points here or steal some points from certain clubs that we otherwise probably wouldn't expect to. And I think that's something that's going to make it just more, that much more fascinating the rest of the way. 100%. Now, obviously, we'll get to, and we have to mention it because it is your beloved Rossoneri, but we have to go into what is another big race that we're seeing. Obviously, we perhaps have already established the top three. I mean, it is a, still a six-point gap between Atalanta and, but but obviously, that doesn't change the fact that it's three points separating them at Atalanta and Roma. So yeah, just going into that, I mean, we have a, another race there with Atalanta in that final position for the Champions League. 
Roma and Napoli, who obviously are still in that Europa League spots, and, and, and Milan as well, who are still finding it with the likes of a Hellas, a Parma, even a Bologna as well, who are just edging it off there. I mean, I think for if you're speaking from Milan's perspective, I mean, a, a big factor of all this was the injury of Slatin Ibrahimovic, who, you know, wasn't given as much uh, time to do something. I mean, you know, he did score four goals, but... In, in the in the short time that he was there, but you know clearly it's a big big loss for them. So I was just like wondering what your thoughts are, are are towards Milan and heading into the end of the season. And you know are they are you confident enough that they could uh, stay in that position to to qualify for a, a European spot? Milan, they're they're it's really tough to kind of gauge them right because I think it was some of the performances this year under uh, Stefano Pioli have been admirable. You know there have been performances this season this season where hey you know what maybe they're turning the corner and you know that kind of came around. There's no coincidence that it came around the time that Ibrahimovic arrived, right? Yeah, I think there was something lacking in their squad from a leadership standpoint, from um, you know just having the champion presence like him in the changing room on the training ground and of course um, on the pitch on a given match day to kind of you know, turn the t- turn the tide here and, and ultimately help favor your team on a given match day, right? You know, I think Ibrahimovic is one of those p- few players where you know you can you can stick him up front and he'll he can pull something out of nowhere to help you get a victory. Uh, but I I, c- I can't dis- discredit the fact that you know Ante Rebic has turned it on and he's probably been Milan's best player and most productive player up front um, the second half of the season, which is surprising because you know obviously he wasn't given that much time in the first half to to stand out to. Uh, show the type of uh, qualities he does have. But once he stepped in, he's won some games uh, late for Milan. Um, that's ultimately had them in the position they are in now. So, you know, yes, it's a it's a blow to have a guy like Ibrahimovic out. There's no denying that. Uh, obviously, we all know what Milan's att- offensive woes have looked like. They're one of the worst teams in terms of uh, scoring this year. And <laughs> I always joke that Immobile, there's a race between Immobile to outscore Milan this year as a team, which would be pretty pretty fascinating to see that. But um, get, you know, with Milan in general, it's it's really hard to say because I think there's so much discussion about um, you know Ralph Ranick reportedly taking over. You know, a lot of the rumors in the media uh, regarding Bakayoko, F- Florentino Luis, of course, the the highly touted uh, Brazilian prospect playing at Benfica. So there's a lot of rumors going around. There's a lot of uh, discussion about what the future of Milan holds. Um, what the future uh, at the club is. And I, I think there's a part of the Milan fan base that, yes, they obviously want to see their team win. I, I You know, I, who wants to see their team lose on it, the, regardless of, you know, what the situation is. But I think, you know, with the whole situation, this team, the way the, the way they performed this year, with the whole, you know, top four being out of reach after, you know, missing on it, you know, last year by one point, and the fact that we had this whole stoppage here with the coronavirus, I think a lot of the fan base are looking forward more so to the summer and just kind of getting to that yes if they could squeeze in i'd be happy for them to finish top six um i'm not going to deny that but i think the focus for many is to say hey can we get the manager can we get this this thing on track here can we get the quality players that we need there's obviously some several key players in the squad ismail benacer teo hernandez both have very uh, great interest from teams like psg Real madrid manchester city so there's there is some building blocks here, but I think the biggest focus, if you're a Milan fan, the rest of the way, is to see which players belong and which players don't. You know, for me, I've seen players like Frank Kessie had a great game um, in the uh, you know the Copa Italia on the weekend. You know, maybe guys like Hakan Chahanoglu has a spot in the squad. 
you know, Simon Kajer, you know, he's a player that's come over on, on a very relatively inexpensive deal, you know, they, and he has a relatively inexpensive option to pick up. So there's a lot of lot for players to be fighting for the rest of the way, even if, you know, top four is not going to happen, or even if they don't get into the Europa League spot, because we all know how competitive it is. But there are players that have something to fight for. There's spots in the squad, maybe a spot somewhere else in, in a different league, a different club, where they can say, hey, you know what? I finished strong the rest of the way. Maybe they convinced another club to take him, take him on. Someone like Lucas Paqueta, who's you know been uh, very much a divided figure amongst Milan fans. So I think for me, that's going to be generally what the eyes and, and attention turns towards the rest of the way for Milan is, yes, can they get in the Europa League? which obviously playing European competition is just something that tends to attract other players, even if it is not the Champions League. Number two, can certain players who are jockeying for a, a role in this roster moving forward you know, convince the, the Milan project uh, and the Milan uh, management that they do belong, that they do deserve to have a spot, regardless of who the manager is next season? And number three, is this the last we see of Ibrahimovic on a top club in a top league? You know, I, I know people, you know, say, OK, this guy's going to be playing until he's 40, 41, 42. But, you know, another injury, he's 38, 39. He's kind of in that position where he's in the twilight of his career. I'll never doubt this guy until he, you know, is is no longer able to walk because he's kind of just one of those cyborg type players. But, you know, we may be seeing the last of, of Ibrahimovic in a big league. And I think that's also something to kind of cherish the rest of the way if he can get healthy, see what he can do with Milan. And I think it's going to be also fun to watch that part of it. No, great stuff. Before I continue on, uh, Matt, I want to give everybody the table that we're looking at. So far, with uh, 26 matches roughly played, we are going to have some makeup matches coming up at the beginning of the weekend here. Juve on 63 points in first place. Lazio one point behind on 62. Inter in third place on 54. Atalanta holding the last European spot or Champions League spot at 48 points. Then we have Roma at 45 points. Napoli at 39. Then just outside the European spots are Milan at 36. Uh, Verona at 35, tied with Parma. We have Bologna in 10th place at 34 points. Sassuolo and Cagliari on 32 points each. Then we go down to 13th and Fiorentina on 30 points. Udinese on 28. Torino on 27. Sampdoria in 16th on 26 points. Genoa on 25 points outside the relegation zone, which are now occupied right now by Lecce at 25 points, Spal on 18 points, and Brescia on 16 points. Matt, at the beginning, you brought up about um, talking about the schedule, and obviously we jump into it pretty quickly. I'm going to actually go to the bottom of the table first, Matt, because I want to talk about Torino Udinese. Obviously, two teams storied in the Serie A, uh, Torino before the break was on atrocious form, I believe losing six in a row. Uh, Udinese drawing four straight before the break as well. They're currently only sitting three points outside of the um, of the relegation zone. Obviously, Lecce is there right now. Genoa has not been playing incredibly well. Samp has been a little hot and cold lately. But could one of these two teams really be in, in risk of being relegated at the end of the season? Um, it's possible, you know, in Torino, you know, I just want to focus on them for a little bit because they've been a team that I've, I've always been behind for a while. And I know when they got Walter Mazzari as their coach, um, I always thought they, you know, they were going to be a team that maybe doesn't score a lot of goals, maybe doesn't play a very flashy style of football, but they would defend, they would defend well. And, you know, for, for, pre, for the, for many months of, of his reign, um, you know, they were a pretty stout defensively team, you know, defensive team. I think they were able to, to hold that down quite well. Obviously, Andre Balotti hasn't you know enjoyed the same success. Um, I still think he could be an effective striker, and he can do some things down the stretch for Torino to help them avoid relegation. Mm. But you know the way they've played this season, um, and the way many of these other clubs have played. I'm, I'm looking at the table myself. You know the bottom half of this table, the bottom 
I would say six teams, seven teams, bar Spall and Brescia. I mean, there's, it's going to be a dogfight, and that's what I you know was kind of getting you know alluding to you know earlier on in this in this discussion here is that you know you really got to look at the strength of the schedule because if you have a team like for instance Torino or Sam playing just like back to back difficult games or like a road game against Inter and then the next game is you know uh, at home versus like a Juve for instance again that's not the schedule I'm, I'm assuming but you know just something like that can be something that like really sinks you really deflates you and throws you into a spiral and you know you you touched on Torino's struggles you know before the, before the stoppage which obviously resulted in Walter Mazzari you being let go of, the, uh, of his of his role so uh, you know between them and Udinese and team Udinese I think that you know you bar a couple players that are that are very hit or miss they have it's either Rodrigo De Paul or Seco Fofana uh, doing something special uh, to help them win on a on a given match day but more or less a lot of these teams are very mediocre. They're, they just concede too many goals. They're very sloppy. Um, of course, against Milan, we somehow team tend to drop points against them. Um, uh, nevertheless, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at the table, and I, I see a, a little a little opening here for a team like Lecce, who, look, they're pro- they're in relegation right now, but they've had some pretty decent performances this year. You know, they've they drew against um, Inter. They drew against Juve, if I'm correct. So they have it in them, and they're going to be a fascinating watch the rest of the way because as a newly promoted side, they want to stay afloat. They don't want to immediately get dropped back down. Mm-hmm. So, again, there's always that seems to be, the, in, at least in Serie A, the relegation battle always seems to be just very, very intriguing and something that kind of tends to get overlooked uh, around Europe, right, mm-hmm. um, towards, the, towards the end of the season when all the titles are wrapped up and all that stuff. So... I, yeah, I, I am. I do fear that a team like Udinese could fall into into a little bit of a danger zone. Samp, I've always been a, a, an admirer of them uh, since the you know, Lucas Torreira, Patrick Schick. Um, you know, they always have quite a few Polish players. So I'm hoping they stay afloat. But uh, they're a team that's also, again, just you know, at some point you wonder if they can uh, be able to um, you know, get by and get past with you know, losing top players each and every summer, right? You know, mm-hmm. so. I do 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 anticipate that there's going to be a little bit of a a little bit of a chase here towards the tail end of the season, which makes it all that more interesting and much more um, of a of a of a good watch for those who are not Calcio fans. Now, before I let you go, I want to ask one more question. Back at the top of the table with Juve and Lazio, when we come back mm-hmm. now on the weekend, Juve the next two fixtures for them are Bologna and Lecce. Uh, Lecce, by the way, beating Torino and beating Napoli before the break. Um, but Lazio have a much tougher task, Atalanta, to open uh, to reopen the season, and then Fiorentina, which I get Fiorentina is currently on 30 points, they're in 13th place, but anytime you've got Castrovilli, you've got Chiesa, you've, you've got problems. You know, Vlaovic, they, 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 he's a nice striker too. Yeah, exactly. So, they, you know, a hell of an attacking team. Um, my question to you is, could you easily see an early slip from Lazio, given that Juve's schedule is quote-unquote weaker? Um could you see an early slip from Lazio that might make that match between the two of them on July 20th maybe not as uh, tooth and nail? Yeah, I, I I don't see why not. I mean, I mm. think, you know, there's, again, there's very very few teams that I, I really have put a lot of trust and faith in to just deliver consistently. Now, I think this year Lazio have been one of them. I, I don't think many people expected them to be in the title race, obviously. Um, I think many people thought they would be a very, very good team, very team, a team that can very much compete for a fourth, one of the top four spots at the top of the table. But And I do, don't think many people believed they could be – they would be in the title race this long, mm-hmm. right? I think everyone – a lot of people thought early on it was going to be Juve Inter. So can, can Lazio slip up? 
I think I think anything could happen. Right. I, I really do. I think there's a lot of teams. Yes, you know, you, I'm, I'm just looking at the top of the table here, and we're so used to seeing teams like Juve, Lazio, and Inter, you know, and and just you know, even Napoli, who were not in the title race this year, just have a little bit more of of a consistent you know style of play, consistent uh, you know, performances. And this year feels like it's a little bit more open, right? Mm-hmm. Even Juve have three losses, three three draws. Um, you know, I was, they're not, they're a strong team, not no disputing that, but they've been vulnerable this year yeah. and a team like Lazio, you know, 19 wins, five draws, only two defeats. So, and plus the fact that you, you know, Lazio seem to have Juve's number, um, you know, they've played them really tight in, in, in cup play and, and in the league. So I, I think when I, when I'm looking at, you know, back to your, your original question, mm-hmm. Joe, can Lazio slip up or is, is are, are they in a position to possibly slip up early on here after we resume everything um yes but i will say this i think you know the the fan base is behind this team so much the fan base is behind this coach the fan base is behind the players and the squad uh, francesco atribi is a fantastic captain he's overcome so much in his life um you know he's obviously was he was going to be prop, maybe a starter for the italian national team at the euro um you know so they they are more than just immobile they're more than just their stars i think as a as a unit mm-hmm. they're a very strong on a pitch, yes, but mentally and as a team, as a collective, they are very strong-minded, strong-willed. And I think that's something that really does work in their favor down the stretch. Whereas with a team like, I'm not, t- not taking anything away from Inter, right? Because they got a fantastic coach and one of the best motivators in world football, and mm-hmm. Antonio Conte. So I do look at these two two, two managers and how and what the, what teams they're coaching. And I do think that that's going to be a play a huge role um, you know, as we get rolling here uh, in this restart, I will say this though: for as much as I believe in Ronaldo and I do believe in their quality, it wouldn't it wouldn't stun me if they did slip up a little bit, and then maybe Lazio kind of creep into that first place because you know this is this is yes this is you know a, a season like on any other we've experienced in 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 many many years, but you know there's always something that kind of tends to happen in Serie A. Uh, some results are always kind of wacky, and maybe you think the stars are aligning for a team like Lazio to become the champions, which would be absolutely insane for them to be the champions and to dethrone uh, Juve and end their reign. So I'm very excited, and I think there's – if you're a football fan, you're a Calcio fan, the rest of the way I think you have to just kind of embrace the unpredictability that we could be uh, seeing. Agreed 100%. It's going to be a a wonderful run to the finish and definitely uh, you're going to be on the edge of your seat all the way to the end. So, gentlemen, I want to thank you both for joining me and helping me review the the Serie A as we get back into real-life football. So, for Matt Santangelo and for Roberto Rojas, I am Joe Ucello. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night.